Welcome to tonight's Zoom meeting, where we'll be discussing 2 Nephi chapter 15, which is Isaiah 5. And again, we'll be illustrating how the parable of the redemption of Zion in DNC 101 is the key to unlocking not only the sealed book of doctrine and covenants, but also the book of Isaiah. And so, in 2 Nephi 15, verse 1, And then will I sing a song to my well-beloved, a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. So, the well-beloved in this verse is Jesus Christ. And at other places in Isaiah, those who are beloved are those who enter into and keep covenants with God. And specifically, those who enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and become Christ's sons and his daughters. Now, verse 1 expresses a very intimate relationship between the Lord and his vineyard. And the vineyard is the restoration of his people to the fullness of the gospel. And this was done under Joseph Smith. And specifically, Isaiah 5, 2 Nephi 15, is a prophecy of the, revel- of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ and its fullness under Joseph Smith. If we go to DNC 101, verse 43. And now I will show unto you a parable that you may know my will concerning the redemption of Zion. So, in the parable of the redemption of Zion, we also have vineyard imagery and metaphor, just as is used in 2 Nephi 15. Now also notice that this is a parable concerning the redemption of Zion or how Zion gets redeemed. And do you have to redeem something that hasn't either fallen or been ransomed? No. Zion only has to be redeemed because it falls. And in 2 Nephi 15, Isaiah is going to give us Um, a prophecy about how Zion falls and rejects the fullness of the gospel under Joseph Smith. Now, this isn't saying that Joseph rejected the fullness of the gospel, for he did not. However, it is saying that the saints would reject the fullness of the gospel under Joseph Smith, and that they would therefore, therefore put themselves into a state that would require redemption. Verse 44 in DNC 101. A certain nobleman had a spot of land, very choice. And he said unto his servants, Go ye unto my vineyard, upon this very choice piece of land, and plant twelve olive trees. So this very choice piece of land means the same thing as a fruitful hill. This very choice piece of land or fruitful hill is North America. Um which was preserved and 
blessed for the restoration of the gospel, the fullness of the gospel. And we're told that it is a blessed land above all other lands. In fact, it becomes the very location of the establishment of New Jerusalem. Now, the 12 olive trees in the Parable of Redemption of Zion in DNC 101, we know from Joseph Smith's other writings are the 12 tribes of Israel. And also, we have the Lord speaking unto his servants. Well, the servants would also be Christ's well-beloved in reference to 2 Nephi chapter 15. In DNC 88, they're called the first labors in the last kingdom. And eventually we're going to find out in DNC 101, starting in verse 55, that Joseph Smith will return with the servants or with the well-beloved. One last time, to separate the strength of the Lord's house, to gather together and establish Zion. Verse 2 in Second Nephi 14. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. So he fenced it. Now, this means the same thing as in the parable of redemption of Zion in DNC 101, that the servants were commanded to build a hedge around the vineyard. And the hedge which protects the vineyard is the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even the doctrine of Christ. And knowledge of the new covenant, a broken heart and contrite spirit. And that as long as the trees of the vineyard or the Lord's people will enter into that covenant, they will be protected by the Lord from the power of the destroyer. And he fenced it and he gathered out the stones. Now, in Isaiah, um, in many different ways, the Lord identifies different spiritual strata of people. Um, and with the stone imagery, we have that of precious metals, semi-precious, and a common metal. We also have precious stones, semi-precious stones, and common stones or rocks. Um, and these are the wicked. So he clears out the wicked that his vineyard might be planted. And not only does he plant this vineyard um, with a vine, he says the choicest vine, or he is again establishing Latter-day Israel, or that lineage which is to go to and inhabit New Jerusalem during the millennium. And built a tower in the midst of it. Now, there's also a tower that's discussed in the parable of redemption of Zion. And the parable of redemption of Zion, the tower is the path of ascension. And it's, you know, those both leaders and individuals entering into the path of ascension, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and going on to receive the second comforter. That is building the tower. And 
when that is done by leadership, that is the process of setting a watchman upon the tower. And also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Now, bringing forth fruit in the parables of Christ and of Isaiah, um, that is the process of becoming Christ's son and daughter through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit that he might baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost, just as outlined in 3 Nephi chapter 9. So if we go to 3 Nephi chapter 9, Verse 20, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 17, we learn that those who offer that sacrifice enter into that covenant and who are baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost, we find out in verse 17, and as many as have received me, to them have I given to become the sons of God. Well, the way that we receive Christ is to enter into that covenant, to offer up our broken heart and contrite spirit, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus we become the sons and daughters of Christ. And this is what it means to bear fruit. And if we go back to... Second Nephi 4, 15. So the wine press is designed to process ripe fruit. So the whole point of restoring the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Israel in the last days is that they might enter into the new covenant with their God and be adopted as Christ's sons and his daughters that they might go on to receive the instruction and to be obedient to the instruction about how to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rested the fullness of his glory, that they might enter into new Jerusalem and continue the path of ascension through Christ's millennial reign. And, This is what it means when the grapes are pressed in the wine press and the wine is made. Um, It's literally God is bringing his people uh, into covenant with them that if they are true and faithful, they will become his sons and daughters. That They'll come into his presence in the fullness of his glory and that they will enter into New Jerusalem. But at the end of verse 2, and it brought forth wild grapes. Well, wild grapes cannot be used to make wine. In fact, wild grapes are good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of man or to be fed to animals. So even though he restores the gospel under Joseph Smith, even though he brings his choicest people into the church, uh, gives them the fullness of the gospel, that they might 
receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and become his sons and his daughters. They refuse that new covenant and thus do not become Christ's sons and daughters and thus do not bear fruit and do not qualify to enter into New Jerusalem. Now, in DNC 84... which is given in 1832, we find out the church has come under condemnation because we have rejected the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and thus will not become Christ's sons and daughters. And thus Christ cannot lay up fruit unto himself. And verse 56 in the NC 84 says, And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant in the Book of Mormon. And the former commandments, which I have given not only to say, but also to do according to that which I have written, that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. Okay, again, this bringing forth fruit meat for the father's kingdom is the same as bringing forth uh, grapes in 2 Nephi 15. Or that they, by entering into the new covenant, they receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and become Christ's sons and daughters. So, back in chapter 15 of 2 Nephi, verse 3. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. And what could I have done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. So, if we cross-reference to DNC 101, again in verse 44 of DNC 101, a certain nobleman had a spot of land, very choice, and he said unto his servants, Go ye unto my vineyard, even upon this very choice piece of land, and plant twelve olive trees. So here the stage is being set that the Lord of the vineyard is doing all in his power to plant tend and take care of his vineyard or his people who are Israel, whom he has engraven upon the palms of his hands. Verse 45, and set watchmen round about and build a tower that one may overlook the land round about to be a watchman upon the tower that my olive trees may not be broken down when the enemy shall come to spoil and to take upon themselves the fruit of my vineyard. So the Lord made every possible, um, preparation to tend Israel gathered in these last days, that they might enter into the fullness of the gospel, become his sons and daughters, and be prepared to inhabit New Jerusalem. Um, and because of this careful preparation and this thoroughness of the Lord, they had every opportunity that the hedge of protection might be kept strong, that it might not be broken down by the enemy who would come to destroy the vineyard and lay up the fruit of the vineyard unto themselves, meaning that they would, the adversary would seek to derail the restoration and to destroy the new and everlasting covenant and prevent 
people from being able to enter into the new covenant and become Christ's sons and his daughters. But in 2 Nephi 15, we find that that is exactly what has already happened. Um, The enemy has come and he breaks down the hedge and he gathers up fruit unto himself, which is what it means that the vineyard brought forth wild grapes at the end of verse 2 in 2 Nephi chapter 15. Verse 4, again, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done unto it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. Verse 5, and now go to, I will... I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And I will break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged. But there will come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of the house. Hos is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, and behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. So, if we go back to DNC 101. Now the servants of the noblemen, starting in 46, went and did as their Lord commanded them, and planted the olive trees and built a hedge round about, and set watchmen and began to build the tower. You know, the Lord has done everything for his vineyard. However, verse 47, and while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, and what need hath my Lord of this tower? And consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? Might not this money be given to the exchangers, for there is no need of these things. We have just defined two new strata of people. Um, you know, one, those of the vineyard who are lazy, who say among themselves, what need hath my Lord of this tower, which is the path of ascension? Why invest the time and energy and effort in offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and become Christ's sons and daughters. Um, So we have laziness. And then it compounds. Then we have laziness combined with wickedness and turning to Babylon when they decide to give their money to the exchangers or to Babylon. And again, money is an investment of time and effort and labor and diligence. In verse 50, and while they were yet at variance one with another, they became very slothful and they hearkened not unto the commandments of their Lord. So we have slothfulness or laziness and refusing to obey the commandments of God. And This is what allowed the hedge to be broken down or the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, which if the people would enter into it would be the hedge of safety and protection. 
And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge. And the servants of the nobleman arose and were affrighted and fled. And the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Back in 2 Nephi 15. Verse 6. And I will lay waste, lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, because rain and sufficient water is a covenant blessing. This is demonstrating a clear covenant curse setting. And briars and thorns coming up in the vineyard without rain. Um, This is the Lord prophesying that when the Lord's vineyard um, would bring forth wild grapes and reject the fullness of his gospel, um, the heavens would be closed to them and they would not have prophets among them. And they would go into a period of uh, destruction by the enemy. In DNC 124, we have the account of the saints being given one last chance as they're in Nauvoo to repent and return. And the Lord promises the saints if they do repent and return, um, he will fight their battles and they will not be smitten and driven or destroyed. That they will receive again the fullness of the priesthood or the apostolic order of the Melchizedek priesthood. That the terrestrial order of the church of Christ will be restored to them, which had been taken in 1834 when Christ took his name out of the church because of just like the children of Israel under Moses, they refused to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And so just like the children of Israel were demoted from the terrestrial church of Christ to the telestial uh, preparatory gospel or church of the Latter-day Saints. Verse 28, for there is not a place found on earth in DNC 124 that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you or which he hath taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. And verse 32, but behold, at the end of this appointment and the appointment was during the lifetime of Joseph Smith, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you do not these things at the end of the appointment, you shall be rejected as a church with your dead. Thus saith the Lord your God. So the Lord told the saints if they would repent and return while in Nauvoo, he would allow them to complete the Nauvoo temple during Joseph Smith's lifetime. And that Joseph Smith was to have been the man to consecrate that temple. If they did not repent and return, They would not finish the temple during Joseph Smith's lifetime. And they would stand rejected as a church with our dead. And verse 45, And if my people will hearken unto my voice and unto the voice of my servants, whom I have appointed to lead my people, behold, verily I say unto you, they shall not be moved out of their place. Or in other words, that the Lord would fight our battles if we would repent and return. And that we would not be driven out of Nauvoo. But instead, we were smitten and driven 
And the Nauvoo Temple, not only was it not completed during the lifetime of Joseph Smith, it wasn't completed under the presidency of Brigham Young, but it was a moot point by then. And even though there were seven temple dedications carried out on the Nauvoo Temple, the first one being on the attic, the next five being on various portions, the last one being on the entire temple, it still wasn't finished. But with the death of Joseph Smith, the time had passed, and we stood rejected as a church with our dead. And so instead of covenant blessing, we qualified for covenant cursing. And this is why Zion would go into a situation where it would need to be redeemed. Verse 7 in 2 Nephi 15. For the, for the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment and beheld oppression for righteousness, but behold a cry. So originally, um, with the establishment of Zion, there was righteousness and righteous judgment. But when the saints rejected the fullness of the gospel, righteousness and righteous judgment was replaced with oppression. Verse 8, And woe unto them that join house to house till there can be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine ears said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, and great and fair cities without inhabitant. So the Lord's vineyard qualified for destruction and desolation. And instead of the Lord fighting our battles, we were smitten and driven. And we are seeing now how we are entering into a period where we will be smitten and driven as never before if we refuse to repent and return and enter into the new covenant and again become the Lord's people. And we become his people and he becomes our God, meaning we become his sons and his daughters because he extends his name to us through the new covenant of broken heart and contrite spirit and baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 10. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of a homer shall yield one ephah. So here we see the concept that the, the yield of, of uh, vines to produce grapes is very, very low, that there is more seed that is planted than um, harvest that takes place. Now, also interesting to note that there is actually a harvest that takes place. It's just that the numbers are very low. But there are those individuals who will enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and become Christ's sons and his daughters. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, 
that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night and wine inflame them. Now, this is a metaphor. This isn't actually talking about uh, actual alcohol. It's talking about we pursue after the idols of the flesh. And we are deluded with um, false revelations. And we are content to do it. In fact, not only are we content to rely upon the arm of flesh and receive false revelations for true doctrine, but we pursue that from sun up to sundown. Verse 12, and the harp and the veal and the tabret and the pipe and wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. So the Lord allows his people of the end times to come into captivity. And in a sense, we are currently in spiritual captivity and have been there ever since the new covenant was removed from what was taught as the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the heavens were closed at the death of Joseph, it was no longer possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost, or enter into his rest. We truly entered into a period of captivity and desolation. Because they have no knowledge. Well, the knowledge that we do not have, which was withdrawn with from us, is of the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that we might become Christ's sons and his daughters. And that new covenant was replaced with a counterfeit new covenant, or new and everlasting covenant of plural marriage. Joseph Smith did not enter into its practice, nor did he teach it. Um, our history has been rewritten, and, and with it, the gutting of the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the removal of the very most basic foundational principle, that of the new covenant. And their honorable men are famished. Well, who are the honorable men? Well, they're the leaders of the church. So they are sufficiently instructed that they should know better, that they should know to teach the new covenant and invite the people to enter into it, that the heavens may again be opened for the reception of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, but they do not. And therefore, their multitude or the members of the church dried up with thirst. We completely lost the knowledge. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down and the mighty man shall be humbled and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. And the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment 
and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. So at that day, meaning the day of judgment, where Isaiah's end-time metaphor, the king of Babylon, king of Assyria, begins the work of destruction. At that day, there is no remaining where one is at. One either ascends to deliverance and salvation, or one descends to destruction. And those who have gone along with Babylon at that day will not be preserved or saved by Babylon. They go down to destruction, which seeds they sowed themselves. Verse 17. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall the strangers eat. So, on the eve of destruction... Joseph Smith finishes the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house, and he leads an end-time exodus. And those who go on the end-time exodus uh, do not experience destruction. They experience deliverance. They experience mercy, while those who will not, because of the hardness of their heart, experience the full weight and measure of God's justice. So going back to DNC 101, verse 55. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, and we know from DNC 103 that this is Joseph Smith Jr., not in his first ministry, but his second. Go and gather together the residue of my servants. Take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle-aged among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I have appointed to tarry. And go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard. Redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Therefore get ye straightway into the land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. Verse 64. That the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. And it has to continue because it was cut short during Joseph Smith's first ministry, but it continues during his second. That I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. Okay, the time of final harvest didn't come during Joseph Smith's first ministry. It comes during his second. Therefore, I must gather together my people, according to the peril of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured and the garners to possess eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory, when I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands may be strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. And then that leads us to DNC 103. So as the wheat is separated from the tares. And as the band of the tares is made strong in preparation for that destruction, which awaits them, the wheat is led out on an end time exodus. Verse 15 in DNC 103, behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore I will raise up unto my 
people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore, let not your hearts faint, for I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angel shall go up before you, and also my presence. And in time ye shall possess the goodly land. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I liken the servant, to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I have given unto you. Therefore, let my servant Joseph Smith Jr. see unto the strength of my house, my young man and middle-aged, gather yourselves together unto the land of Zion, upon the land which I have bought with money that has been consecrated unto me. So, as this end-time exodus begins, there will be great missionary efforts by the strength of the Lord's house, who are en route to meet up with the city of Enoch and the establishment of New Jerusalem. And these uh, missionary efforts are described in verse 17 of 2 Nephi 15. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, uh, or those who are the strength of the Lord's house gathered out on the Exodus, the Lord takes care of them. They are not in a covenant curse relationship, and they are not meted out justice but mercy. And the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Well, the strangers that are being talked about are the missionaries who will go forth like Alma and the sons of Mosiah, declaring the words of Christ and the doctrine of Christ by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Uh, they are these strangers. Um, who go into the waste places to recover Zion from the four uh, corners of the earth. Starting in, in verse 16. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Or he will support and take care of and bless his people. And verse 18, and woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. Now, a cart rope is a very strong rope designed to pull a very heavy load. So, woe unto them who use their strength and their effort and their resources um, for iniquity or to revel in false precepts, you know, specifically the false precepts that have crept into the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is not true doctrine, but the precepts of men. And woe unto those who hang doggedly to it and will not be taught by the Spirit or receive truth when it is offered to them. 19. That say, let him make speed, hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Okay? Well, these are the foolish virgins. 
um, they're demanding a sign. They refuse to take the Holy Spirit as their guide and be taught by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. That say, verse 20. And unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, Woe unto the wise in their own eyes and the prudent in their own sight. And unto the mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. So relying upon the arm of flesh, putting trust in the things of the world instead of Christ, not being willing to put everything upon the altar, and trust wholly and completely in Jesus Christ, giving up whatever he would tell us that we should give up. Verse 23, who justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteous of the righteous from him. So, you know, that great and spacious building, which persecutes the humble followers of Christ. And the great and spacious building is the membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who persecute the humble followers of Christ who are willing to enter into the new covenant while the inhabitants of the great and spacious building are not. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, their root shall be rottenness and their blossoms shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. So, you know, as we read in DNC 101, verse 66, while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands made strong, that they may be burned with an unquenchable fire. And the terrors are all of those who are not the strength of the Lord's house. So back in 2 Nephi 15, verse 24, Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, the terrors are the stubble. And the flame consumeth the chaff. The terrors are also the chaff. The stubble and the chaff have no capacity to bring forth grapes. Because they have, and how did they get into this state of being stubble and chaff? Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. Well, what is the law of the Lord of hosts? It's the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit to become his sons and his daughters. And despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, in verse 25, the anger of the Lord is kindled against his people. And he that stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them and the hills to tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. So the Lord is fairly warning his people. If you do not repent and return, if you do not become the true vine and bear good fruit or grapes, versus wild grapes, or become as stubble and chaff. 
you will become dead carcasses that will be torn in the midst of the streets. So there are many that I hear say, well, I'm afraid to enter into covenant with God, to offer up everything that I am and have, even my life and that of my family, because they think somehow that if they withhold that covenant, that somehow they will be um, spared heartache. In reality, all that they're doing is sealing their own destruction upon their heads, and it will be more terrible than they could have imagined. They must overcome their fear. They must be willing to trust God sufficient that they are willing to receive whatever experiences they need to become his sons and his daughters through the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then continue every day thereafter in a broken heart and contrite spirit. Verse 25. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he has stretched forth his hand against them and has smitten them, so they are incurring the full weight and measure of God's justice. There is no mercy here. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far. And will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly, and they shall come with speed swiftly, none shall be weary nor stumble among them. So there are two hands and two ensigns in Isaiah. The first is the Lord's end time servant, who is the Lord's right hand and the Lord's ensign to his covenant people who will repent and return. But the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, that entity in the last days, that destroys the entire earth, except for the Lord's covenant people who enter into covenant with him. He is also an ensign and a hand of the Lord. And at the end of verse 25, but his hand is stretched out still. This is the hand of destruction of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. And he will lift up his ensign to the nations from afar. Again, this is the king of Babylon, king of Assyria, and the work of destruction. And the king, the forces of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, will not suffer from the same maladies of laziness that the Lord's people suffer from, who will not enter into covenant with him. Behold, Verse 26, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. They are not in a deep sleep. None shall slumber nor sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken. Um, The 
The point being made is that the Lord's people who will not enter into covenant with them, the latchet of their shoes is broken. The girdle of their loins is loosed. They are in deep slumber and asleep. They do not obey the word of the Lord with rapidity and swiftness. And they do stumble and they stagger because they are overcome with the delusion of strong drink or the iniquity of false tradition, which they cling to and love their shackles and chains and will not be freed from them. Verse 28, whose arrows shall be sharp and all their bows bent and their horses' hoofs shall be counted like flint and their wheels like a whirlwind. They're roaring like a lion. There will be no deliverance from the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, except in and through Jesus Christ, except through hope and faith in him, which faith uh, moves one to enter into and live with integrity, the new covenant. Verse 29, they shall roar like young lions. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry away safe and none shall deliver. And in that day, this is the day of judgment, which begins with the work of destruction by the king of Assyria and culminates in Christ coming in his glory. In that day, the day of judgment, they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if they look unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. And this is the fate of those who are God's people who refuse to offer up unto him a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might become his sons and his daughters. I pray that we may not be among that group, but that we may willingly and joyfully offer up as a free will offering our broken hearts and our contrite spirits, that we might live all of God's commandments, which he will give us both through his servant and through revelation that we might become his sons and his daughters, that he might extend his name to us, that we might take it upon us, that we might be prepared to enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory, be counted among the strength of the Lord's house, be led out on an end time exodus on the eve of destruction, enjoy the covenant blessings of the Lord, go on the end time missions where we participate in the gathering out of the house of Israel from the four corners of the earth. Meet up with Enoch, his city, establish New Jerusalem, and make final preparations for the return of Jesus Christ in the fullness of his glory. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.